My name's Ryan. If we haven't met yet, I'm uh, one of the pastors here on staff. If you just come in the last few weeks, I would love to meet you. And uh, we're in the middle of this series called Struggling with God. And uh, one of the things I love about Grace Church is that our senior pastor, Jeff, has set a tone for us uh, that, that just says we are okay being honest and being real and being transparent. We're allowed to struggle with God. I love that. And so we said, let's just take this series and really look at what it means to struggle with God. We said that if I'm a human being trying to know and interact with a real God, I'm going to bump into some struggles. Now, that's not going to be an easy process. As a, a finite human being trying to interact with an eternal God, there's going to be some struggle to that. And we said if we haven't run into struggle yet in that process, probably we haven't run into a kind of a significant mountain in our lives or significant crisis or we're in some level of denial. Uh, I think that's probably pretty true. And, and Pastor Jeff has done a fantastic job of laying out a foundation for us on which we can struggle. And he said that struggling is a good thing. It just needs to be a struggle that points into and leads to faith and kind of leads us away from doubt. We need to be struggling at actually trusting God and leaning into who he is and understanding kind of his heart for us. And so last week, Pastor Jeff tackled one of the, the biggest questions we have in our struggles with God, which is, can I trust and, and can I use and interact with kind of the Bible? Um, his question was really, as I approach this book, how do I know it's from God? How do I know it's not corrupt? How do I know that it's trustworthy and reliable? And he walked us through a series of evidences last week that I think made a compelling argument that this is an incredibly reliable document and we can know that when we approach the Bible, we can know that it is God's word and that it is accurate and we can build our lives around it. And one of the biggest evidences that he walked us through last week was that one of the, the convincing arguments about scripture and its reliability, its trustworthiness, is that through hundreds of years, even thousands of years, it has produced changed lives. That life change is an evidence of the Bible itself. And what I want to do today is kind of follow that train of thought that Pastor Jeff opened up for us. And when we start to say, yes, I believe that the Bible is trustworthy, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's true. If I take another few steps, what I'm going to run into is another struggle with the Bible, which is very common for us. It's the, it's the question, can I personally use the Bible? I believe it's trustworthy. But isn't it kind of for scholars and people that know Hebrew and Greek and, and pastors? Can't they just teach me about it? How do I, can I personally use it myself to find God and to hear his voice and to know his will for my life? As a pastor, that is one of the most common questions that I run into. It's kind of a question that pops up all the time, right? How do I know, uh, how do I know that these words kind of speak to me? What does that process look like and how does that play out? Can you teach me how to use the Bible for myself? And so we're going to take this conversation and at least lay out a set of steps and describe the process of how we can use the Bible. And we're going to see that there's kind of God's part in it and there's our part in it. And we're going to describe each of our roles in the conversation. I'm going to say, man, there's, there's God's big part is he's initiated my ability to use the Bible, and then I need to have a response to it. 
as I think about using the Bible, I think about my kids. I've, most of my head is kind of in my kids' lives. I've got four kids, uh, all six and under, right? So I've got a boy, girl, girl, girl. And we have our nighttime routine. As, as often as I'm home, my wife and I will put our kids to bed. And we got kind of shut the lights off. We got three kids in one room. So this all kind of plays out. Um, us putting our kids to bed. It's a little crazy most of the time kind of getting these little people all to rest and settle down and simmer down. But what we usually do is we, we put the lights down. My son's in the top bunk. I'm usually putting him to bed. My wife's putting two of our daughters to bed. And we usually have a little conversation about the day. You guys know how this works if you're parents. And we usually talk and pray and kind of think about what happened the day and, and be thankful for what played out. Usually, somewhere in that conversation, my son will drop, he's six, he'll drop this theological bomb of a question into the conversation, right? We're about to go to bed, and all of a sudden, he just drops this nuclear theological question at six years old, right? It started with, with a question like this. He said, I think he was four at the time. He goes, Dad, the world is just not right. I looked at him like, son, you're four years old, man. Everything's right right now, right? I wanted to give him my pastoral answer and say, son, you have a sin nature, and that is the problem. I refrain from doing that, and I'll save that conversation for later. But he'll drop these kind of bombs. One time he looked at me, he's like, dad, how can, he put his little fingers up, how can God be three and one at the same time? I'm like, buddy, it's time for bed, man. You know, let's... (laughs) Let's save this conversation for another time. And the most recent one has to do with, with our conversation. He, he says, yeah, we pray, right? We pray as we go to bed. We talk to God. But how does God talk to us? I'm like, great question, bud. God talks to us through the Bible. You know, and I saw the gears turning in his head as I said that. And, I, and I, I'm like, he's going to think that he can like put his little ear up to the Bible you know, and God's going to talk to him, right? And I think, I think that is beautiful because he, at six years old, has the same set of questions that we have into, well, into maturity. How does God actually talk to me through this thing? Is the Bible just a good luck charm? Um, is it just having it kind of close to me? Does that help me? Should I try to gain kind of God's insight through osmosis? Like, I just need to have it near and the information will soak over into my brain and my heart? Should I just open the Bible up and like pick a verse and it's almost like magic or a fortune cookie, man? Something's just going to come to me and that's how I should interact with God. What does the process actually look like? What is God's part in it? What's my part in it? How do I use it? I want us to be able to take one big step today in our confidence on how to use the Bible. We obviously can't cover everything. It's kind of a big subject. But if we could take one big step towards that and walk away feeling like this might be something that I can personally do, I'll be thrilled if we can hit those goals. Let's start to dig into it. Let's look at it. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a church in the city of Corinth called 1 Corinthians And in that letter, uh, in chapter 2, he is talking about kind of how this all works and how we hear from God and what we need to hear from God. 
If you have a Bible, you can turn there real quick if you want, or if you uh, don't have a Bible with you today, that's no big deal. You can grab one from underneath your chairs and uh, flip over its page 794 in your Bibles underneath the chairs. And the Apostle Paul, talking to the church in Corinth in verse 12, says this. He says, what we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God so that what we may understand, so we may understand what God has freely given us. Mainly that freely given us is what he has given us and revealed to us in the Bible, the truths that we find in scripture. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. One of the things we need to see is that if if we approach the Bible and we try to use it ourselves, one of the first things that we need to recognize is that if we're going to approach the Bible, we need to have the Spirit of God within us. The Spirit of God, if I'm someone that doesn't know Jesus, basically what the Bible can do for me is introduce me to Jesus, and that's about as far as I can go. I can't really understand the deep realities that are communicated in God's Word. I can know the content. I can look and see the words, but I can't understand what God's saying to me. I need the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul would say that the Spirit is the one that helps us to understand the Bible helps us to understand what God has said. Here's who the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit are the same person. So if you see that language throughout Scripture, you can know that. The Bible, when, they talk, when he talks about the spirit, uh, the spirit of God, it will refer to him as a he. The Spirit of God is a person, not a force, uh, not anything other than a person. He's a member of the Trinity. And the Bible says that when I accept Jesus as my Savior, the Spirit of God This member of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Spirit comes and lives inside of me. The biblical word for that is indwells me. He dwells within me and lives inside of me. So God actually comes and lives inside of me when I follow Jesus, and he is the one that helps me to understand Scripture, understand the Bible, the Word of God. So that's the first thing I need to know and the first thing I need to have if I'm going to approach and actually use God's word is I need to have the spirit of God within me. I need to be a follower of Jesus in order to have the ability to understand the word of God. Last week, Pastor Jeff pointed us to a verse. We can see kind of why this makes sense in 2 Peter chapter 1. You can just listen along if you want and jot the reference down. We're just going to stop here for a minute in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Peter says it this way in talking about the word of God. He says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 
what we see is that the Spirit of God would empower human authors throughout the time frame that the Bible was written. The Spirit of God would work through people like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Paul and Moses, and even though keeping their personalities intact and their mental capacity intact, the Spirit of God would use those people to communicate the Bible and write the Bible down. The Spirit is the co-author of Scripture. He's the one guiding and directing that process, even though these human authors are, are kind of all of their facilities are intact while this is playing out. That's why I can read the Bible and it feels different based on where I am in Scripture. One of the reasons why we need the Spirit of God is he's the author of the Word of God. He's the one who wrote it. From beginning to end, his fingerprint is moving and directing and guiding and creating Scripture from kind of Genesis to Revelation. The Spirit of God wrote the Bible. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the Word of God and how it's structured. Uh, Some of this is so personal to me because I didn't meet Jesus and start a relationship with Christ until I was an adult. So this whole process of can I use the Bible, man, it, it makes all the sense in the world to me. When I approached Scripture, it was foreign. I had never heard the stories. I didn't know about Noah and the ark and about Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and all kind of the, the, the historical biblical figures. Man, they were all foreign to me. I didn't know where Matthew was or 1 Corinthians was. I didn't know what the Old and New Testament was. So I felt like an outsider outside of Scripture, and I had no idea how do I kind of break into this and start to use the Bible for myself and hear from God kind of for me. So it was very intimidating, very, uh, I felt pretty alienated as I approached Scripture, felt pretty uh, inadequate in that process. So what I would love to do over the next handful of minutes is walk you through some shortcuts that I've learned over the last handful of years. And if you're in that place where you feel foreign from the Bible, maybe you grew up in a church where you didn't hear the Bible taught a lot. Uh, Maybe you never used it personally and you still feel like, I love coming to church, I love hearing about God's word from a teacher or a pastor, but I I don't feel like I can use it myself. That's where you are. I'd love to give you some shortcuts to try to help you feel more comfortable about approaching this book, man, because it is from God and it is a gift. Stick with me. We're going to kind of zoom through some information, and this will help, I think, a ton. It's helped me a lot as I've processed through it. Ready? We're going to have like a little mini Bible college class in the next five minutes. Here we go. Ready, set, start. Okay, here we go. The Bible is a book. It is also a collection of books. There's 66 books to the Bible. Now, each one of those books is authored by an individual person. This is over a ton of time that this played out. Those books of the Bible stand on their own. They have their own author, their own plot line, their own purpose. The best way for me to understand this is to think of it uh, almost like this, like each book of the Bible is like a movie, a movie that has its own story, its own plot line, its own director, its own intent. But think of it in terms of this. When you see a movie that's connected to a larger set of movies, like a trilogy, right? Think Indiana Jones, Die Hard, Rocky, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. You guys want me to keep going? This is fun. Think of that kind of thing where 
Each one of those movies stands on its own, right? It's kind of its own thing, but it's connected to this bigger story, this bigger plot line. That's exactly how the Bible is. Each book stands on its own, has its own purpose, but it's connected to this massive kind of sweeping panoramic story. If you had to name that series of books, if you had to name kind of the the movie series of the Bible, it would just be called Jesus, I'm pretty sure. That would be the title of it, and it would be phenomenal. Still waiting for a director to like get caught up to speed and make these into some sweet movies, because it would be amazing. It really would. But that's how the Bible is structured. Now let me talk and kind of take us another step into it. If I'm going to approach a movie, uh, let's say it's a comedy or a thriller or a romance or an action or adventure or epic, I'm going to approach each of those different genres of movie differently. I'm going to bring a different set of expectations if I'm going to watch a comedy than if I'm going to watch a romance or if I'm going to watch a, a war movie, right? Sometimes you, you, as you're making a decision on a movie, you're thinking, oof, I'm not ready for like the epic. It's a little too intense for me today. I just need to chill out. The same thing is true as far as genres go with the Bible. The Bible has many different kinds of genres of literature. Follow this for a minute. The Bible has narrative, so it's stories about people. History books, literally just the recounting of historical events. Has legal code, right? Just the listing of laws. It's like Leviticus. When you read that, you're like, wow, there are a lot of laws here listed out. The Bible has uh, Proverbs, which are just short little statements. The Bible has poetry. It has all these different people. It has letters, which we call epistles. You're literally reading someone's mail as you read those. So as we look at the Bible and we approach it, we need to see that there are all these genres all packed into the Bible. So think about it. It's like having a a novel, a bunch of fortune cookies, poetry, uh, the Constitution, somebody's mail, all jammed into one book. So when I open a book of the Bible, I'm opening up into one of those genres. Because just having that information is like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I have a different set of expectations if I'm coming to Leviticus and reading legal code than if I'm reading a letter or if I'm reading a story. All the way through, what I can see is the consistency of the Spirit of God communicating God's heart and his will and his mind but it's through very different venues as I look at these genres. Is that helpful to know? Help me a ton to know that. One big step in, as I approach the 66 books of the Bible, they each stand alone. They have different genres. They're connected to this overarching story. It's all about Jesus. The Spirit of God authored it all. Now let me talk about how this works for us. So the Spirit of God that created the Word of God, here's how this plays out. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to speak the will of God into my life. Into my life. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to speak the will of God into my life. What do I mean by that? As I go and approach the Word of God, 
in each of the books, in each of the genres, what I'm going to be able to find is that God's kind of general heart and his will, what he longs to see happen in each of our lives, I can discover that there's kind of a general will for all humanity. If I had to sum up God's will in a very uh, small nugget, it would basically be this, that it's God's will for us to become like Jesus. Now, there's tons and tons and tons of principles and truths packed into that statement. But at the end of the day, God wants us to be like Jesus. He wants us to love him and to know him and to love others. That's why you hear that all the time here at Grace Church, that we love God and we love other people and that we want to become like Jesus because that is really at the center of God's heart for us. And that's kind of the general overarching will for all of humanity, if we had to boil it down. Now, that general will of God, becoming like Jesus, loving God, loving people, that's going to show up differently based on where I am in life. If I'm single, looking like Jesus is going to look different than if I'm married. It's going to look a little different. If, if I have a job or if I'm a student, if I'm divorced or if I have children, if I'm sick or if I'm healthy, if I'm in trial or if I'm in kind of a season of happiness and ease, following Jesus and looking like Jesus and gaining his heart's going to look a little bit different based on where I am in life and where my life circumstances are. The beautiful thing is this. The same Spirit of God that authored the Word of God, he is God, so he represents the will of God, right? He's drawing his will out of his words, helping me to understand it, is the same Spirit that lives inside of me and knows all the details and the nuances of my heart. That same spirit, that consistent voice kind of helping me through this whole process, he knows me, he loves me, and he is going to help me to apply God's word, which never changes. That's the beauty of it. God's word never changes. My life always changes, right? I'm always growing, always aging. I had a birthday last week, right? We're always kind of growing through life as we never change, what happens is the Spirit of God continually helps us to apply his heart, his will, his mind through his word into my life. That is why, my friends, we can never, as Christ followers, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I can never look at God's word and be like, check, I got that mastered. Because having the information on lockdown, even if that is possible, let's just assume for a minute that it was possible, that having all the biblical data was possible, that was a real possibility. The reality is I'm always changing. So because I'm always changing, I always have to be engaged in this process, finding God's will, his heart, his mind, and his voice for my circumstances today. What I love about that and what is intimidating about that is that this process is never finished. It is a fallacy to say that biblical depth is purely, spirit, is, uh, purely biblical knowledge. Pastor Jeff talked about that last week. He helped us to see that just mastering the unchanging word of God, memorizing it, owning it, does not necessarily mean that God's will is playing out in my life today. I have to be involved actively in this process. That's kind of where we lead into our part 
God's part, he gave us his spirit. He gave us his word. He helps us to find his will. He sustains our lives. What's my part in it? My part is to look at God's provision for us, to look at what he's offered for us, to approach him with faith and to struggle at this process. Let's look at how this plays out when Jesus was asked, kind of what's the greatest commandment? He answered it this way. Matthew 22, verse 36, he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He's being tested and challenged in this passage. Verse 37, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So as God poured out his resources and his heart and he made himself available, what we are called to do is to respond with our heart and our resources in our motivations. We kind of have to show up, heart, mind, and soul, in this process. What does heart look like? Big picture, I need to approach the Bible and the Word of God kind of with a pure heart to know Jesus. Uh, I got to bring my motivations to God's Word. Think about all the different motivations that we can come to the Word of God with. Uh, People read the Bible and interact with the Bible who just simply have a historical itch, right? Think about humanity at large. We can come to the scriptures just because we're curious about history. We can come to the Bible just because we want to know more than other people know, right? It's kind of just, I like to have the information. People have used the Bible for incredibly uh, unhealthy, horrific reasons, aka Hitler used the Bible and warped it for his own agenda and his own use. As I approach God and I look at my part in responding to what God has done, I need to be able to come to God with a heart that longs to know the God who has allowed himself to be known. I got to bring my motivation to, I want to hear God. I want to be in the posture of a discoverer. God, what do you want to say to me? What, what is the best place that my life can land. I want to know what your will and your heart is for me. I want to become like Jesus. I want to show up from the heart. I want to bring the the resources of my mind to bear in this because we have to actually use those resources of our mind just like we would in any any literature that we're reading. We have to think it through. And guys, I'm not going to lie to you. It takes a little bit of elbow grease to work at this. It doesn't happen automatically. And it takes some time uh, of building kind of the base and acquiring the taste for the Bible. Boy, once we do, man, it is addicting and it is contagious and it will light a fire in your heart. I have to bring my resources, the, the resources of my mind, heart, and soul to bear on this process. As if you want to know what bringing the resources of your heart, soul, mind, and strength to bear on this looks like. Think about what are you bringing the resources of your heart, soul, mind to bear on right now? Uh, Whatever you chase with all of your might in life, that's what God is asking you to do for him. If you chase after comfort, I was thinking about this 87 degrees, my AC goes out, I'm going to chase comfort pretty hard, right? I'm going to get that AC fixed. We're going to prioritize that all of a sudden. We chase safety, security, comfort, 
financial kind of stability. Think about how hard our heart, soul, mind, and strength works at those things, whatever it is for you. We're to bring those pieces of us, our attention, our focus, our energy, our goals, our passion, and throw it at knowing God. That's what that looks like. That's our part in it, is to work at it and use our minds and and long for, be someone like the scripture calls David, someone that's after God's own heart. And I want to be like that. It's what it looks like to follow and to respond to God as we try to use the Bible. Let me try to put a little bit of skin on this. I want to show you one example of what this might look like. Let's just say, for the sake of this conversation, that I'm going to come to the Bible in faith that the Spirit of God is working within me. Right? I'm going to believe that God lives in me. He's going to help me understand the Bible. I'm going to go to a portion of God's word. It's a letter. That's the genre that I'm approaching, and it's going to be the book of Philippians. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Philippi, and let's say that I'm going to use my mind to read the word of God and understand what it's saying. The words in this passage would help me to understand that that Paul, the writer of this letter, is in jail when he's writing this. He's in jail and he's unjustly accused for actually telling people about Jesus. He's writing from jail. He was unjustly accused for telling people about Jesus and somehow he's able to have joy in the process even though he's in this trial. I can learn all of that directly from the four chapters of Philippians. These couple pages right here would tell me all the information that I would need to know. As I learn that, as I dig in and understand the word of God and kind of the context that it's in, the genre that it's in, I can look at that situation and say, okay, Paul is in the middle of this trial. He's able to have joy in this trial. What is the kind of universal principle or will of God that I can draw out of that? Like Paul was able to have joy joy in the midst of his trial, We are able to have joy in the midst of our trials. God will enable that to happen in our lives. That's kind of the general principle, the general will of God that applies to all people at all times and all cultures. Now, I'm prayerfully asking, what does that mean for my life? God, what are you asking me to do? And that's where the circumstances of my life the trials of my life start to surface and I can learn how to find God's will for me in the circumstances. So let's say we're we're looking at the book of Philippians. We might look at the book of Philippians and we would see how the will of God would apply in a bunch of different ways. So we would say, well, what kind of trial am I in? Am I in a difficult marriage? Am I in a difficult situation where somebody's accusing me at work? Am I Am I in a situation where I'm trapped in a trial of of health of some kind? Do I have an unmet dream that's breaking my heart? Am I sick and tired of my singleness? God's will for me would be to find joy in the midst of that. And he would help me to understand that I can do that because I can see that in the word of God. I can draw his will from there and then apply it directly to where I am in life. Because that's kind of what it looks like. I gave you the the fast-forward version 
of what this process may look like. Now imagine all the lessons and all the things God has to teach us all throughout the Bible. I just, we just looked at one. This thing is loaded, guys, loaded with insight and wisdom from God. I need you to hear this because look at God's part in this. God has shown up. He has given us his spirit. He has provided his word and he's protected it and sustained it through centuries. He is longing to communicate his will to us and he loves us and wants to see this all play out in us as individuals and as a church. Is the question then becomes, as God wants to meet with me and as he shows up, will I respond to that? Will I show up? Will I take my energy and, and my vision and my passion and, and my thought, brain power, and will I go after the heart of God and seek after him in a way that matches how he has sought after me? As Pastor Jeff kind of gave us a challenge last week, he said, I dare you to get into the Bible for 30 days. I dare you to to walk in here and start bumping around and be a discoverer and experimenting and start to dig into this. He said, I will bank on the word of God every time that you will walk away changed. Because I have to ask you, Will you do that? Are you doing that? Will, will you take that challenge to heart? Will you take these tools now, maybe, maybe a, a process of how this plays out, and will you begin to embrace that? Because here's the thing. What if God has offered the solution or the perspective to our problems? What if the thing that we've been looking for And the answer to our situation has been sitting right under our nose the whole time. What if the whole time sitting on our shelf, God has been begging to interact with us and has been offering hope and freedom and joy and perspective and purpose the whole time? is what if we took the next 30 days and we got over the hump of feeling alienated from the Bible? What if we took the next 30 days and really went after it and got some momentum in this area and began to play with this process and discover God's heart and and you're not going to mess it up, just try it. Play with it. Commit to it. What a better way to spend a summer than saying, I've loved hearing from God's word from a teacher or a pastor or a, a sermon online. But man, this summer, I learned how to hear God's voice for me. I got to learn how to do that myself. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be revolutionary to be able to do that and to have confidence in it and to begin to take those steps? Can't think of any better way to spend July than to dig in. Because if what I just described here is making a ton of sense to you, and you're saying, I wish I would have heard that six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, I want you to grab your program real quick. 
And I want you to look at this class. Pastor Joe talked about it a little bit. It says, what is the Bible all about? As if you, if you match that 30-day challenge with this class, this class is going to help you to get your heart and mind around the Bible and how it's structured and how it works. Guys, I guarantee you're going to be able to feel much more confident in your ability to use scripture if you would sign up and show up for that class. Here's the thing, friends. You have a God, I have a God that longs to meet with us, um, that has literally died to have relationship with us. He loves us. He wants to meet with us. Because what I want us to know is that we actually have the ability to meet with him. It feels intimidating. I'll say this, it's simple, but it's not easy. It takes a little bit of work. Like everything that's worth having in this life, right? You want a good marriage? It's going to take work. You want to be a good parent? It's going to take work. You want to be good at your job? It's going to take some work. You want to be in shape? It's going to take work. You want to know the God of the universe? It's going to take a little work. That's okay, right? Let's move towards God. One of the passages I love in Scripture is in James. It says that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Guys, let's do that. Let's own our process in Scripture. 30 days. Jump into the class. Jump into the Bible. Let's take the posture of a learner and someone that longs to see and hear the heart of God because we need it and we long for it and we believe it. If we're going to struggle, we need to struggle here to find the God who loves us. As God and his will is that we use the Bible, we can do it. The Bible's not made for scholars alone. It's made for everybody. Would you process that? Would you believe that? Would you make those decisions today? Wrestle with that this morning. Jesus, we say thank you that you have given us your word, that you've allowed yourself to be known. Thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit and that he lives inside of us and longs for us to know his heart. Lord, I I pray for my friends here that we would have courage to take the next steps, that you would draw us into relationship with you in a deeper way. And Lord, I pray for my friends and I here that you would burn into us a passion for you, to know you and to find you and to seek after you like we would seek after anything else in this life. Lord, help us to love you with our heart, soul, mind, and strength because you've given us all of yourself, Lord. Help us to respond even today, even this morning. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.